Many times when believers are born again and when believers come into a new church, there's a honeymoon phase. And what we mean by that is like everything looks great, all the grass is greener on the other side is fulfilled, there's no questions, there's no doubts, everything feels awesome, and then all of a sudden you step into this place and it's like, what happened? What happened? Have you ever experienced that? Maybe. Yeah? Yeah. I've definitely experienced that. <laughs> Say it like that next time. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. So, have you ever experienced that? Yeah. And most everybody has experienced that in some way. And I've found that as a pastor, there's actually, there's actually periods of time uh, that people will experience those things. And what will happen is part of it's got to do with an attack from the enemy, but part of it has to do uh, with our actually our walk and where we are fleshly, where we are spiritually. And when we actually, most Christians don't know it, but they're formed in a pattern of the world. They're formed in the pattern of the world's thinking. And then all of a sudden when they step into these areas, they feel alone. They feel like they're the only one that's ever felt that. Have you felt that before where it's mm -hmm. like, I feel like this is just me and and, and everybody else doesn't understand. Yeah. You, you've definitely. ever been there. <laughs> definitely. But I've been but I've been there and I've felt that same way. And then if you ask, put a hands up in the comment if you've had an attack and you felt like you were alone and nobody else understands, and you felt like you were the only one going through it. And that's why, as a pastor, many times I'll ask, I'll like, look, have you ever felt this? And everybody will raise their hand, basically. And I'll say, look around. You're not the only one. Because one of the tricks of the enemy, I do that to expose the plans of the enemy, because the enemy wants you to feel like you're the only one experiencing that, but this is not actually true. This is actually a very common deception and scheme of the enemy that, that the devil will use against people. And because of that, they'll fall for it. And then they feel like they're all alone. They feel like nobody's gone through it. Nobody can help them. And, and what it becomes is it becomes this story that's really like a tragedy. It's entertaining. At least I, I, you know, I have a dramatic story. And then there's almost a pride in that story. And before you know it, that believer's not at church anymore. Mm -hmm. They've fallen. And what I found, especially when we started the ministry, is a lot of believers that were supposed to be planted in church were lost and, and went out the back door and nobody realized it because they fell prey to these things. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because there's things that you can do to stay on top of that and to recognize there's red flags, there's warning signs uh, that you can pay attention to and not fall prey to the devil's scheme because that's exactly what it is. It is a scheme and a deception of the enemy and it ought to grate against you that he's tried that on you. Like, how dare he try that on me and think it was going to work because you have more maturity, more knowledge, and more revelation of that. So, and have you seen that? You've probably seen that not just in yourself, but other people as well. Like, yeah. what have you seen? Well, just, you know, with, I, like, I remember whenever I moved here um, to Boomerang, you know, me personally, like, yeah. like, I thought I was doing well. You know, I thought I was growing. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of things that I thought I've dealt with resurfaced. You know, right. and I thought I, and I thought I was, you know, in faith. I thought there was I, I realized I was in a lot of mercy. 
<laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> right. like God was being right. merciful and I needed to receive the grace and the empowerment to rise up. But like, there, I remember there was like a period of time when it was just like, it felt like, like, it felt like I was just getting beat up almost, you know, yeah. emotionally yeah. in my mind and, uh, and, and in just different areas. And, uh, I was like, like, am, can I break through this? Can I overcome this? Right. It was like, right. it like just felt like I felt like my relationship with God was worse than it had ever been, but really, well, like, and it was just a really discouraging time for me. Yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, after you got to the place that God told you to go to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yay, yay, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, well, I mean, you just said it. You said I went to the place that God told me to go, mm-hmm. and it, and it was maybe the most discouraging time of my life. Mm-hmm. It felt like it. Yeah, that's a great statement. Yeah, that's a great statement. It felt like it. Yeah. And in the middle of that, a lot of times what we can't see because we're not looking into the spirit realm mm-hmm. is God's actually helping you step through some stuff with your flesh. And yeah. he's got you in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. But because we've assumed that all of these great supernatural things are fall on my shoulders and I've been handling them so well... Right, because we assume that, and I've done the exact same thing multiple times. I might add, and uh, I've done the. We assume that we're the ones that are making these great choices, when really it was God's mercy upholding us mm. forever in front of that. Yeah. He's just allowing us to go ahead and start take some more responsibility. Mm. And when we take that responsibility, we don't handle it well. But because we only have eyes to view it, like I did it right. And then what we start to feel like is we feel alone because it's like, man, did God leave me alone? No, he didn't leave you alone. You've never been alone. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's just allowing you to take more of that responsibility that you thought you had before. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's sobering. Yeah. And it's alarming because, and, here, and this ought to actually really make us praise God, is that shows us just how much mercy he had before. Yeah. Like how much was he actually lifting us up and we thought it was us. And it yeah. was all him the whole time. It was yeah. all him. Yeah. And I think honestly, I really think that when we get to heaven and we can look back and see these things, we're going to be so embarrassed. We're going to be like, "Oh my gosh, look at my pride. Oh my Lord Jesus, help me. I'm so sorry." Yeah, I really like I think we're going to realize mm-hmm. just how much it was him and not us. Yeah. And, and like, if we can get a hold of that now, mm-hmm. that will help us be so much more healthy yeah. and not feel like, you know, we're letting God down and we're doing, a, no, it's him. Yeah. If it's good, think about this in James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Yeah. Every one of them from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, or shadow of turning. How many? Every. All of them. Yeah. Every one of them. And so, without Jesus, what are we bringing to the table? Yeah, nothing. No good thing. <laughs> yeah. No good or perfect thing. Without Jesus, we're not bringing any good thing to the table. Yeah. And when that has really helped me, that's something the Lord pointed out to me early on uh, in my spiritual life as an adult. And, and I, it's helped me so much because I realized man, this is, this is the Lord. This is not me. And then I've had moments where we start having success, and I'm like, yeah, amen, yeah, praise God, look at that. This is so good. And feeling prideful. And, it, you know, pride goes before fall. It's only a, a few 
you know, days later, a few weeks later, a few minutes later, and um, all of a sudden, it's like the reality of how I'm not the one holding this up smacks me in the face. And I'm like, oh. And what I should do in that moment is really just repent. Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, I, I apologize. I repent. I ask you for your forgiveness, and I receive it right now. I repent. I thought it was based on me. It is not based on me. And, and here's what it's really based on. It's based on God and, Lord, I trust you. See, that ought to make us actually go back and trust him more. Mm-hmm. But because our mindset has been, I'm the one who's been in faith. I'm the one who's been trying. I'm the one going through the hardship and working on the breakthrough. Then our mind doesn't go to praise God more and repent to him for being prideful. Our mind goes to, why aren't you there? Why aren't you helping me? Why doesn't pastor understand, you know, that kind of stuff? Why doesn't my life group leader, you know, pat, pet me, you know? And like, and so we start looking for other things. Think about this. Anytime we're looking for somebody else to blame, that's a problem. Yeah. At any point that we're passing the buck, we're passing the blame, that's an issue in our heart. Mm-hmm. Because you, because he's already told us that he's ever, already given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. If you're not happy and you're not in joy, you can go to God and get that. Yeah. Any person can get that in any situation. Mm-hmm. You know, but thanks be unto God who's always leading me to triumph. He talks about the tribulations. He's these small and light afflictions that we have in this world. Yeah. You know, and that's the Apostle Paul talking who had been beaten and left for dead. Shipwrecked in the deep, yeah. you know, he he's got bit by a venomous serpent after he saved all these people's lives by trusting in God, or he might have thought it was him. We think it was him. It was God. He yeah. just trusted in God, did what God said. Yeah. God brought the good and the perfect and brought them through. And then, but he, he could have been like, why am I getting bit? I've just went through this, yeah. you know. I, I've never been there. I, I'm just making that up. Is that Does that happen? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you ever felt like that? Yeah. <laughs> but see how that can be so honestly selfish. Mm-hmm. It can be so selfish because we should look at the promise where mm-hmm. he says, I'll never yeah. leave you nor yeah. forsake you. And we ought to be able to look at that one promise yeah. and take hope and take confidence and literally. I, listen, we're in this together, and there's a uh, a support that we give to each other. Yeah. Like if I'm feeling bad, buddy ought to be able to come to me and say, Pastor, it's going to be fine. You're going to make it through this. And I, and I would receive that and receive that as help. But literally, we should be the kind of people that even if nobody ever did that, we yeah. should be able to look at that problem and say, Jesus is here with me. I might not can feel it right now. I might not can see it. But I take encouragement right now. Yeah. And, and not... Not waver on that. That should be our trust in the Lord, simply because he made that one statement, that one promise. You know? But that's what I've found uh, historically is that that's not what most people do. Yeah. And it doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's not what most people do. So they get into this place. The honeymoon's over. I was so happy. I was touched by the Lord. And what it ends up being is they have preconceived ideas, you know, and we've talked about this a lot. Offense is so easy to get into if you're focusing on unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And they have this expectation 
that Christianity is a magic lottery, you know, that it's a magic pill, that it just works like that. And you and I were talking yesterday, and Paul was saying in Philippians 4, he was saying, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. In other words, he was saying, now watch this, he was saying, I know how to live when things are going good, and I know how to live when things are not going good. He was saying, I know how to live when there's a lot of finances, and I know how to live when there's not a lot of finances. Now, what's interesting there is he kind of paints the picture that we might go through some of that. And many times, if you've already had a lot, and then you go to a little, you're like, why am I here, Lord? I thought I passed this test before, right? Oh, wait a minute. Paul, I would say, had passed the test, too, because he had been in both places. Mm -hmm. And that's why it gave him, he had the wisdom to say that. I know how in abundance, and I know how to be obeyed. But yet, why is he telling us that? And watch this. There was obviously some spiritual knowledge of how to live in both areas and be godly. Yeah. Now, why would there be spiritual knowledge of how to live in the poverty place? Well, why would that even be there? So we have this idea that our faith is never going to be challenged or that we don't have to apply faith here anymore. Like, no, I'm going to get to the place where I'll never have to apply my faith for finances again. Well, that's not true. Yeah. That's not true. To, I'm going to get to the place where I never have to apply my faith for, for health and healing again. That's not true. You're in a corrupted world. Now, you are already the healed of the Lord. You're already the prosperous of God. So there is reason to believe, God, that you're going to make it through and be triumphant in everything. But you're going to have to apply your faith. Yeah. You're going to, and so that means you're going to find, and do you apply faith in times where there's abundance of God? Or is faith applied where there's lack? Yes. And we're all, yeah, in both yeah. places yeah. you do. But the point is, you always are going to have some place where there's lack. But even if you're applying faith in, a, in the abundance, what are you saying? What are you applying faith for if you already have abundance? More. Because there's a lack from where you should be. Yeah. So there's always that place. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you are, you're always going to have the ability to apply faith and increase yeah. in something. Mm-hmm. And so we have this idea that we'll get to a place where we don't have to do that. And we play no part in that. Yeah. God's done all, all the work, but we play a part in it. And many times when the honeymoon phase is over is when somebody's actually in real Christianity. They're planted in a real body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And now God, the father, who's, who's, who's saying, hey, son, daughter, you can do this. Yeah. Come up here, right? Yeah. Uh, I was looking the other day, and uh, if you think about this, if you could imagine a baby actually cognitively and logically could process this, do you think a baby crawling around on their belly or on their knees, if they could, if they could process this from that their perspective, would look up at somebody standing on two feet and go, "How do they do that? That's not even possible." Right? Mm-hmm. And we don't think a thing of it because it's very normal and natural, but not to the baby. Yeah. But at some point, the baby has to decide, I'm going to try this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take responsibility to not crawl on my belly for the rest of my life. I'm going to take responsibility to get up off my knees, off mm-hmm. my hands and knees, 
and I'm going to stand up, right? Yeah. And of course, I believe God's built that into us to move and go further and go, go faster and increase and grow in those ways. But one of the things that you see is that that baby, if he had the ability to process that, he'd probably go, wow, what a miracle. You're amazing for standing on your two feet because it's so far from them and so foreign to them, mm-hmm. to them it looks like it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. But it's not really a miracle. It's just growth. Yeah. But now if you, like, for example, uh, when you look at Caroline, uh, Barrett and George's daughter, right? She just started walking. Man, watching her move through that, she strained and struggled, and she went through, and she cried, and one day we were sitting in here, and man, she didn't want to, Barrett was calling her, and she was like, I don't want to come. Now, I'm done with this walking stuff. I'm done with this moving stuff. I don't even want to crawl to you, and was kind of throwing a, a fit, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers that day. and uh, But you think about it, She's going all through that. I think if she had the ability, logically, it'd be like a lot of Christians that, that are freshly born again or planted in a new church. And it's like the pastor saying, come on, apply your faith. And they're like, no, I don't want to. And sit down in the middle of the floor and throw a fit. And that's exactly what's happening. But God's saying, look, don't stay at that place. Yeah. You're, you're thinking too low. I've got places for you to yeah. run into, and I want you to run. Take up some responsibility. It may look like it'll, it'll never happen, but my anointing will come through. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's where we get hung up. And I found that it's that leap of faith that knocks out a lot of believers in today's society because they've been coddled in their faith. They've been, they've been fed coffee and donuts at church instead of the Word of God. Yeah. And that's not right. And many believers today don't make it through that phase. They just sit on the floor and they never run their race for Jesus because they won't allow the Holy Spirit to quicken them into the levels that they need to because society has told them it's normal to be below average. But that's not what God says about you. It is not normal to be below average. You're made in the image of God and the likeness of God. Yeah. You are made You are made to be like Him, talk like Him, act like Him, perform miracles with Him. You are made to do the works that Christ did and much greater, to destroy the works of the enemy, not sit around on the floor complaining. Yeah. And when that feeling comes, you have to understand that is a demonic scheme and deception to get you to lose your identity. And this is when you find out. See, the honeymoon's not over in the spirit. The honeymoon feels over in the flesh. And the reason it feels like the honeymoon's over is because we've turned the volume of the flesh up so much. That, that we're not even hearing the voice of the Lord in that moment. And I watch it. So I found, you know, that most people, when they go in to a ministry, they'll be so happy. And I, I guarantee you, if, if you fit this pattern in it pretty closely, put a hands up in the comments and listen to this. Here's the pattern. They'll, they'll go into a ministry and everything's awesome. It's like the power of God hits them, the anointing hits them and everything. And a lot of times it hits them so strongly those first few weeks because they're hungry 
And because they're hungry, they get humble. They humble themselves in that. And when we submit to God, grace and greater grace is given. And so what they're feeling is this greater grace. But then there's something about our corrupted human nature that when we actually get to that place, we, we sit down on our hunger and we sit down on our humility and instantly that grace and the feeling of God starts to go away. Because we've dropped our hunger and we've dropped our humility. We were hungry. That's why we came to the altar that day. That's why we went to church and we were hungry for something. We needed something. But now that we feel like we found it, we feel like the race is over. Mm-hmm. And so we sit down on that, on that race. We sit down in our hunger. We sit down in our humility. Well, that instantly shuts off the promises of grace and greater grace. It instantly shuts off uh, the promise of if you'll be hungry, you'll be filled. Mm-hmm. Right? It shuts that down. So it starts going downhill. And about three months into a new church, they'll, you know, the pastor's says something or you ask the pastor something and he gives you an answer you don't like. Or he preaches a message you're not too keen on. And now because you don't feel the grace and everything, you're like, you think, well, maybe this isn't the right church. Maybe I'm not at the right place. And what's really happening is you dropped hunger and humility and now your flesh is being challenged. And, and now your flesh is being challenged, but you, you want to pass the blame. It certainly, it couldn't be me. And you don't realize that you're doing it that much, but that's actually what's going on because you've already been granted everything pertaining to life and godliness. You can do these things. You can walk out these things. And so about three months, they question things. And then they, maybe they get through that. A lot of people don't get through that. In our church, a lot of people don't get through the first week. They come one week and they're gone. They're like, I don't want to grow like that. I don't want to grow like that. When actually we're a healthy church in that way. They're like, I don't want to grow like that because they've been conditioned to coddle their flesh. So many people don't make it through a real church just in the first few weeks or or months. But if they do make it and they come to that about three-month period, and for some people these are extended out, If they do make that, about six months in, most people have not picked their hunger back up. They've not encouraged themselves in the Lord. They've not humbled themselves to the Lord in that time. They've not done these things. And so all of a sudden, it just continues to get worse. And then they get to the sixth month, they're like, man, the honeymoon is over. Like, I don't even know if I like this place. I don't even know if I like the pastor. And then about that time, the devil comes in. He gets somebody talking over here, or maybe somebody, nobody's talking, but he tells the person, hey, that person's talking about you. You know, Mm -hmm. they're like, I'm done with this, and they leave. And if they're strong enough to make it through that time, generally they'll rebound a little bit. They'll, they'll, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps. They'll encourage themselves in the Lord, or the Lord will be, is, he's always merciful. Mm-hmm. So the whole time he's trying to help them. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting thing before I go on with the timeline. Before, but it is, Barrett says this is such an important moment. These moments are critical to somebody fulfilling their destiny. And most of the time they don't reach out, they don't ask questions, they don't communicate, they just sit in their worldly uh, logical thoughts. And the corruption of the world's logic sinks them, right? Mm -hmm. But the Lord's sitting there, and many times people are at that place, 
and and then the Lord will have the pastor come pray for them, and the anointing will flow into their life. It'll give them a boost to keep them there. And if they could see in the Spirit, they're being lifted up by the Lord so much. It's not them. It's not their great faith. It's not their great ability to encourage themselves. It was God. Right, God was giving them a hand up the whole time in his mercy. So then they go on, and then there's another challenge. And God said, hey, now it's time for you to clean this stuff up. Get this stuff out of your life. It's killing you. It's destroying your life. Get it out. And and the Lord, so then they, they came out of that three-month period, that six-month period. Now they're about a year, year and a half. And it's time to get real. It's time to stop playing games. Stop being a religious, you know, churchgoer and be the Christian, the believer that God's called you to be. And about that time, the pastor, he doesn't even know it. He has no idea, but he's being led by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit puts his finger right on that person's mess, right on their sin. I mean, it's like right on the open nerve of that corrupted sin. And, and they're like, He's talking about me, the pastor. He he made this whole message up just about me in front of the whole church. Well, even if he did, that's actually biblical and okay. Yep. That's actually okay. And but most time, this is what I found. I've almost never had that happen where I knew that it was for somebody. The Lord told me to minister that. Most of the time, I get to the end of the message, and then I'm like at lunch that day, and all of a sudden, I think, oh, oh my gosh, that message is exactly where that person's at, and I'm like, holy ghost, you did that, (laughs) and I've even gone to the person, I'm so sorry, I didn't even know it was you, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, he said, I'm the one that had you say those things, to help that person grow up, but see, right in that moment, People can get offended and because they don't want to hear truth. They want to keep on with what they think is right, and they get offended and leave. And so these are different honeymoon phases. And if they make it through that one, if they, now see, you can make it through all of these. It's actually very easy. Stop listening to your flesh. This is actually so very easy. But if they make it through that one, then they'll go on and they'll start to grow and be ingrained in the body. But about year two and a half or three, they'll become very familiar. They'll, they'll have a, a wrong spirit of familiarity and they'll stop receiving. And, and it'll drop. This can happen earlier too, but a lot of times it happens in this time period. They get very familiar with the body of Christ, with the people, with the pastor, they think, and this is so funny to me, they think they've heard all his stories and all of his messages. They know what he's going to preach. And that just shows their lack of understanding of the anointing, what they're actually receiving in that message. That shows complete immaturity of the word to think that. Uh, because that you can hear the exact same words, but different things be imparted in the anointing. You think you're there to get logic. You're never at church to receive logic. You're at church to receive the anointing. And the anointing doesn't necessarily have words that define it, right? So it's not the words that define it. You're approaching church completely logically. But they'll get familiar. 
When somebody gets familiar, they'll start seeing the pastor and other ministers as men. They'll see their church members as just other people. They won't see them as children of God. They won't see them as anointed over their life. And what happens is their expectation drops. All of a sudden, the flow of God stops coming into their life. And then they're like, man, my church is dead. My church is dead. No, the church isn't dead. Your expectation's dead. Right. And these are all moments that people go through. Now, here's the question. Has anybody experienced any of these things? <laughs> put it, put a hands up in the comments if you've experienced these things and you'll see these things. And I've watched it so much. So I, at first I was like, golly, what in the world is going on? Like what's, why aren't people staying? Why aren't they making it past? You know, month three, why aren't they making it past month six? Why aren't they making it, you know, past a year and a half? What is it? You know, why is it three, three years? Now watch this. Why is it that three years they'll fall away? And, and I was talking to Brother Tracy about this, and this is something I've learned. Most people can hide who they really are for a few weeks or a few months. But under the anointing, the anointing starts, think about what's the anointing a function of? The anointing is a function of light, right? It's a function, God is the father of lights. It's a function of light. The anointing exposes things. Yeah, pray, amen, Juliet. She said, thank God for his mercy. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. Because all these things, I did the same thing, and I was the dumb congregant. I've done that. I've done all these things that I'm telling you about. It's not like I was perfect. I did the same stuff. Mm -hmm. I probably did it worse than what I've explained here. But the anointing shines light. So that means the stuff that we have hidden that we don't even know about, the anointing comes in there, and it starts saying, oh, no, what you thought you had fixed, mm -hmm. that's not fixed. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you buried it down in there. Mm -hmm. He's like, here, let me show it to you. It's right here, right here. Hey, it's right here. Mm -hmm. And that's how you feel. You're like, everything's exposed. That's a good church. Mm -hmm. That's actually a good church because yeah. it's showing you the cancer. It's actually, Dylan said, just one time I had that. <laughs> it's it's yeah. showing you the cancer. Yeah. That's a good church. And and when now think about that. When you go and get surgery, mm -hmm. and don't I'm not really had major surgery and don't plan to, but I've heard people when they have, they're sore for days after that. Even when the guy got the devil cast out of him, right? Mm -hmm. It ripped him on the way out. Mm -hmm. That's actually a part of the process sometimes where your flesh, your flesh doesn't like it. It doesn't feel good, but praise God we get that thing out of there. Yeah. Give yourself to the process of God's healing. Yeah. Put it in the comments right now. Give yourself to the process of God's healing. Mm -hmm. And that means, first of all, removing the thing that has its tentacles and hooks in your flesh. Yeah. You've got to let God remove that thing that's got barbs attached to you, that's deep down and rooted inside. That takes humility, that takes a hunger. Like, yeah, get that thing out, right? You ever think about this when uh, parents, when parents are actually being good parents, they don't let something that's infected stay in their children. 
they actually go ahead and get the infection out, then a lot of times in the old days, they douse it with alcohol, which burn like the dickens. And, and all of a sudden, and it'd be like, the kid hated it. Not the alcohol. I can remember like, no, Jesus, not the alcohol. Please, no. But I learned, man, that's what I needed more than anything. I need all of that infection gone or else it's going to get worse. You can literally lose limbs because of that. Give yourself to the process. Now, that's much uglier in the flesh. But if you don't handle it in spirit, it can get even uglier in the spirit if you don't handle it. So let that process, basically all you're going to feel is pain in your head. Not A lot of times it's not physical pain in the spirit. It's just weight that you have allowed to be there. It's painful and heavy to you because you've turned up the volume of the flesh. But when you actually get really good at it, you don't even feel that stuff. You just say, okay, God, here it is. Mm-hmm. Here it is. And it's like instead of having that barbed hook, when you just yield and humble yourself to God, God straightens the hook out, makes it all straight and not have hooks on it, and just pull it straight out and you're done. Put a Band-Aid on it. You're done. Yeah. And it's that easy, but people want to hold on to the old flesh man because they hadn't crucified it. That's what makes it hard. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to change. No, you're, you're not right. I'm right. That's that's the attitude the flesh takes on. I know y'all have never been there. I'm I'm talking to everybody else you're going to share the video with. I, I get it. It's not you. It's me. And, and so it's, but no, this is what happens is we we don't want to change. We don't want to give. But if we're going to grow in God, we got to get up off the floor. Yeah. Stop acting like children. And, and give ourselves to the maturity and take the responsibility to stand up and run the race. Now think about this. Think, think about this. What believers, what believers are called to do average things? None. And I love the verse in the King James, Daniel eleven thirty two. those that know their God will do exploits. That means every believer is designed and called to run the race and do great and mighty things. Great and mighty things, not according to the world's definition of it, according to heaven's definition. Great and mighty things. You think you're going to do those great and mighty things when you can't correct your flesh? That's not, it, that's, mm-hmm. it's a contradiction. You, you, it doesn't work like that. It can't work like that. So if you want to do great and mighty things, at some point, you're going to have to get real with your flesh. Tell it to shut up and say, I'm living for God because I love him. And I want to be who he's called me to be. Yeah. I want to be who he's called me to be. Yeah. And let me deal with that. Let me just deal with the pain of changing in my flesh right now and submit the flesh now and make it easy and light. I did that. This was, you know, the Lord will lead you to wisdom that you don't even know you're getting to. He'll just tell you to do something. If you'll be obedient, it'll just be so much easier. And I could remember one day the Holy Spirit prompted me to pray this prayer. And this is the prayer. Lord, I never want to say no to you again. I only want to take steps to you and never steps away from you. And the simplicity of that was quickly, right? The simplicity of what I was saying was, I want to do these things fast. I don't want this 
this healing time, this correction time, this discipline time. I, I don't want it to take a long time. I want you to say jump and I say how high. You know, I want you to say run and I'm already heading in, in that direction. You know, I don't want it to take a long time. And the Lord just really prompted me and said, that's up to you. That's up to you. That's not up to me. That's up yeah. to you. Yeah. He said, if you'll just decide to do that quickly and deal with stuff quickly, mm-hmm. he said, you'll, it'll be so much easier and you'll be so much faster and ahead of people. And then, then, then the Lord said to me uh, years later, he said, I'm so pleased with you. And y'all know that story. Most of you heard it. He said, I'm so pleased with you. And I was confused because I knew I still had stuff that I was working on. And uh, I didn't feel complete, you know, in that way. And I was like, how can you be pleased with me? Because I still got stuff I'm working on, you know. And, and he said, I said, he said, I'm so pleased with you. And uh, he didn't answer me right away. But about a year later, I asked him about that again. I said, how can you be so pleased with me? And the timing of it was perfect for what he laid out for me. He said, I'm so pleased with you. Not that you never sin or you never miss it, but you're quick to repent. Well, that was set up years ago, years before that, when I said, I want to quickly say yes to you and never say no and never take a step away from you. Because I kept that as a principle, and it made the correction and the discipline so much better. So when the Lord brings something up to me, I just go, yeah, here you go, Lord, it's yours. And so I'm sitting in a church one time, and my pastor's preaching, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going through one of these phases, and I'm just, I'm... I'm mad. I actually, I really am. I'm, I'm really angry because I'm like, Lord, I feel called to preach. I believe that I'm supposed to be preaching right now. You've got me sitting in this dead church. And I'm like, why are you, why do you have me here? I'm not getting anything out of this message. I'm not getting anything out of it. And the Lord, and, and I knew I messed up. I knew I was in the wrong. Because in that moment, he said, well, if you're so holy, I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. If you're so holy, then the least you could be doing, if you're not getting anything out of it, is pray for all these, you know, and the the idea he gave me is my own thoughts. All these underlings, right, that that don't know what you know, Mm -hmm. you know. He didn't say that, but he was kind of reflecting, he was kind of holding up a mirror to me. He's like, the least you could do in your holiness is pray for these people to receive something. And I recognize, number one, somehow I'm wrong. Number two, <laughs> number two, uh, I recognize, yeah, that is something I should be doing. And okay, so I'll do that. And uh, so I started praying. And I really didn't get anything that day. But the next Sunday I was there. And he was preaching, and I realized I, I just started at the beginning because I was sitting there a little bit irritated again, but I remembered what he said the week before, and I just started praying again for everybody. Lord, open up their hearts to understand and uh, you know let people get what they need to out of this mess. I start praying for it. And at some point in the message, not the whole message, but at some point in the message, the pastor said something, and I went, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. And it was the first time I'd received something in a while. It stuck out to me. I was like, oh, that's good. Praise God. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know what had happened yet. I was just like, oh, he said something good. Good for him. Good for him. Well done, Pastor. 
Yeah, good for him. And then the next week I come in there again and I'm praying. I'm like about half his message or so. I'm like, this is really good. And uh, it was either that week or the next week. I'm like really into it. I'm like, this, I forgot about praying for people because I'm receiving now. Yeah. And I said, and I literally said, this is my pride. I literally said, Lord, I was like, man, what has happened to him? This is great. Like, it's like he's alive again. This is awesome. And the Lord quickly goes, he hasn't changed. And I went, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I went, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. He said, he hasn't changed. You, your heart changed. In other words, I was the hardened soil. And the seed of the word was there the whole time. But my heart had hardened because of offense and familiarity, and I couldn't even hear the words he was saying. And the Lord spoke to me clearly. He said, he hadn't changed. In other words, he's been preaching the word the whole time. He's a good minister. You just can't hear it. I was like, so I, had, I learned that the a responsibility to receive is not just on the pastor. It's on the hearer. Right, and of course, that's what that whole parable is about: is the the you know, fertileness of the soil was all up to the soil. You're, there's the person casting seed, but the soil. That whole parable is about the receiver, and are they a good receiver? And man, that changed me. That changed me forever because I realized I never want to be that person again. Yeah. And so I learned that even if I don't like the person, I listen for the seed of the word and I'm open to the seed of the word, whether I like that speaker or not. I can't tell you how many speakers and ministers, personally, logically, I wasn't a fan of. They weren't my favorite, but I'd get nuggets out of because I wouldn't shut down the reception of the soil of my heart. Yeah. Right? And so a lot of this is not the problem with the church. It's not a problem with the people. It's not a problem with the pastor. A lot of this is simply us. And the honeymoon is over. Listen, the devil is always going to present to you that the grass is greener on the other side. you got to stop falling for that trick. That's what makes people jump churches all the time. Because they'll go to a place and it looks good, and then they find out people there are people there too. They make mistakes. But they'll also get in familiarity, shut down hunger, shut down humility, and that completely shuts down the flow. And remember what we talked about. It's a fellowship flow. It's a fellowship flow. And when you shut down the flow by not being humble, by not being hungry, when you shut down the flow by getting familiar and treating a pastor like they're just an everyday person in your life, they're not an everyday person in your life. They have an anointing to help cover you and oversee you and help confirm things to you. They are a supernatural figure in your life. But if you treat them just like another friend off the street, then you're, you are cutting down the flow of the fellowship of God and the flow of his power in your life. That's why I can tell, you know, listen, I've never, never, never required people to call me pastor or anything else. I've never required that. Never even have I even really talked about it a whole lot. But I can tell as a pastor how somebody's going to receive based off of how they treat me and what they call me. And I've watched so many times when people say, hey, Brian, how you doing? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. You know, how you doing? Not not just your name, but, yeah. you know, 
friend, buddy. And uh, so, hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. What's up, dude? You know, what's up, bro? Like that. And I can tell all they're going to get out of me is a worldly person and a worldly personality and a worldly flow. So I can be friends with them, but I can't give them the supernatural because they're not in a position in their heart. They're not open to a supernatural person and a supernatural being sent from God into their lives. They're not open to it because they they don't honor it in that way. Yep. And you can have people they'll call you pastor all day long, but in their heart you're really not that. You know? And that that's also something that you have to you have to watch and be mindful over is don't just get in a religious pattern of something, but not keep your heart open. People then if you people can say, well I wouldn't do that. No, no, you would. Almost every person would. And and let me give you a proof of it. The offering. Everybody that I know at some point has made the offering just a religious habit. And they weren't, they weren't active in their faith, making a faith statement and a statement of worship to God when they give that offering. I try to stop every time before I put my offering in, every time, and connect my faith with it now. But I didn't always do that. I had multiple times where I just went and put it in there religiously and as a habit. You've got to stay away from those religious habits and connect your heart to everything that you do every time. A lot of times that's what happens in prayer. We just pray, oh, Lord, thank you for this food. And what, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're not eat, our heart's not connected to that. Yeah. We're, not, we're not expecting that food actually to nourish us and keep sickness away from our bodies. No, we're just like going through the motions of it. See, a believer should connect his heart to everything because without faith is a lack is sin, and a lack of faith is sin. And if we're not connecting our heart to what we're saying and doing, we're not in faith because faith is absolutely a heart issue. Yeah. And so you can see these things. We're supposed to be a heart people, a passionate people that we're connecting our heart and our faith. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And we're not supposed to be dull. We're not supposed to be drab. We're not supposed to be, you know, emo. We're not supposed to be all beat up and down and wear dark makeup. We're supposed to be alive with hope inside of us. And if we're not there, then we need to address ourselves and get to those places. And so many times these honeymoon phases that seem to end don't have to end. We have to take responsibility for these things and step into them. Step into them by faith. And I love in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, I think it is, um, where it talks about David. He's at the place. His wife and children are stolen. His mighty men have turned against him. They're, they're talking about stoning David, the one who was anointed by God. Mm-hmm. He's standing there by himself. Everybody's against him. None of his family's around him. Everybody has basically turned their back on him. And in that moment, the leader, the man of God, the one who's anointed does the right thing. He encourages himself in the Lord. He picks himself up by his bootstraps. He gathers his stuff together, knocks the dust off, and starts running the race again. He takes, now hear this, this is the key. He takes responsibility for who he is in the Lord. Put that in the comments. If you want to escape the doldrums, you have to it you have to take responsibility for the word of God 
and for who you are in the Lord. You can't fall back into the doldrums of a corrupted world and think you're going to win a spiritual battle. It doesn't work like that. You have to take responsibility for it. You have to put it on and encourage yourself in the Lord. And this is what's sinking many Christians today. This is why they're not running their race. This is why they're beat up, broken, and beat down. This is why they're doing it, because they're not taking responsibility for these things. And they have to see that, and they have to let themselves be challenged with the reality of that, not run from that, not blame it on somebody else, but say, Lord, it's my job to get up off my knees, get up off my hands and knees, and stop crawling to the devil and run after the Lord. And we have to get that fire on the inside of us to do those things, or else you will not run the race that God set before you. It'll be a race, but it won't be a great and mighty one. It won't be a supernatural one. If you want to have the supernatural, you've got to learn how to pick yourself up in the Lord. You have to learn how to pick yourself up in that. So I just talked for like 45 minutes straight. It was all really good stuff. Your turn. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, what, well, what's been coming up to me um, as you've been sharing is that um, we we've live in a society where whenever, uh, whenever people's flesh gets tested, our society has taught us to back up. Yes. Um, you know, like, uh, like you'll, you, you see it just even like in growing up, you know, as, as kids are growing up and as people are growing up, like my, myself included, you know, there's an opportunity, like, let's say, let's say, you know, uh, hey, hey, say, say hello to this person, you know, no, oh, they're just shy, you know, and we don't actually push the, them past their flesh, Correct. you know, to, to learn yeah. how to put that down or, That's a great or, point. or you're in their sports, you know, like, like they fall down or they get a little scrape. Oh, let's, let's, let's go inside. Let's clean that up. And let's, let's, you know, like yeah. we don't, we don't say, Hey, dust, dust off your feet, you know, put, yeah. rub some dirt in it and keep going. You know, like the second it gets, it feels hard. We, we quit or we back up or we retreat yeah. or learning to ride a bike. They fall. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like that. I'm sure that hurt. Like, let, let's try another time instead of, Hey, get back on and go, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like just that, that, that raising up in a society or even d- modern dating, you know, which is like preparation for divorce. Like, Oh, you, you don't feel it anymore. Like just break it off. Yeah. It must not yeah. be love or you, you fell out That's of love, break statement. it off or, yeah. and then they get, like then someone gets to a place where they get married, but they don't feel it anymore. Break it off. You know, like, yeah. like it's just the society has taught us. If you're not feeling it anymore, just move on. If you, if it's get, if it feels hard, just move on. And that's yeah. been the society that we've grown up in. And people haven't been, people have actually been raised to think that that's okay. Yeah. Um, oh, you, you feel, uh, you feel down today. Well, just don't go to work. Just don't go to school. Don't, don't do what you need to do. You right. know, just yield to the depression, yield to the anxiety, yield to the attack. And, uh, and, and instead of br- push past that, learn, learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Yeah. David had yeah. every right to be, to be depressed in the natural. He yeah, had every oh, yeah, right yeah. to pity himself. He had every right to yield to the attack. But, but, uh, but what he did was he's, you see time after time with Goliath, with the, the bear, like he could have just let, let the lion and the bear take the sheep and, and it would have been, well, you know, I don't want to endanger myself, but no, he pushed past his comfort zone, even in those moments. And you saw how that, how that helped him just in life. Oh yeah, that's um, right. That's a great point. And so, and so now we have a society where people go to a church and a pastor challenges them you know, to push past their flesh. And, yeah. uh, and, and this is something that I've had to learn being here is 
Because to, to me, since I've grown up in that, well, if when it gets hard, it's just like, okay, I don't see what see any other option than to just back up, you know. Right. But but you say no, keep going and just do it, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, how? Yeah. How how can I do that? I don't see how that's even possible. I don't even see because because my vision hasn't gone to that place where like, oh, I can just I keep going. I can't yeah. do that. I mean, like that's something that like. In the military, they'll push yeah. your voices past yeah. where you can go to where you have no voice, and they're still telling you to keep oh, shouting yeah. and yelling like the and frog. We're getting voice. punished for yeah. not making yeah. volume. Yeah, or, or do keep doing push-ups or keep running, even though your body physically you yeah. feel like you're you're done. You know, I, I I think like someone said, like you like when people reach. Uh, people often give up when they reach like 25% of yeah, their... Yeah, when they stop, that's a that's a standard and uh, is when they stop mm-hmm. is most time they're about 25, they're at about 25% capacity is mm-hmm. what's said. And, and yeah. but we haven't been taught to recognize Correct. what we are capable of because most of the time people have, haven't had people in their lives who will tell them you can do more. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. like I could be wrong, but I've heard like even in the military now, like there's like keywords now where like like if if it feels too much for the soldier like they can say something and then they have to back off which how's that going to train i'm sorry did i push a button yeah it's a button but it's that should never be there because how are they going to endure war which is guaranteed to push you past your limits yeah you're not you're not raising up people to live in society you're raising up people to fight and not die yeah 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 Uh, so so but how much and save the person of their neighbor, their person next to them, save yeah. their life because they know how to push through. Yeah, and so I mean, how much more important is it spiritually? Yeah, you know, like yeah. this is literal life and death, heaven or hell kind yeah. of situation. So, like, uh, as we're raising people up, as we're raising up these generations, as we're as you're shepherding the people, you know, yeah. like I need to learn. I I can't afford to go through life not knowing how to. Push past my flesh in those moments, or That's a great or, or or when when it seems like I can't go any further, when when my my brain is telling me I don't know how to do this, yeah, like yeah. I don't know if I can do this. This just yeah. seems like a, such a big mountain to me, but to you, it's like it's just a scrape or put some dirt in, and yeah. you can move on. But to me, <laughs> like if I if I haven't been trained to think, oh, it's just a scrape, like momentary light affliction, you know, yeah. like yeah. if I haven't been trained to, to think that way, I need somebody to help me think that way. Yeah. And one of the greatest things that you can do is get around somebody who has, who does think that way. Mm-hmm. But let me add this to it and has done it mm-hmm. right. That yeah. is, does have fruit. Um, because if you'll just get around that person and run with them mm-hmm. and like, think about if you'll just yield to them, yeah. if you'll just yield to them, you'll break through those barriers with them yeah. and it'll make it easier. You'll be like, I can do this, yeah. you know, but a lot of times we fight like, no, no, I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, sometimes the most dangerous situation you can ever get in is when you're doing something dangerous Mm -hmm. and you're called to do dangerous things, by the way, according Mm -hmm. to the world's logic. Yeah. According to the world's logic, if God's telling you to do it, it's safe, but it may look dangerous to the world, AKA Jesus on the boat with the demonic storm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So God's calling you to do dangerous things according to the world's logic. But if God's telling you to do it, then that's what you need to do because that's actually where you'll be safe. But you 
you've seen this before. Many times the most dangerous place is when you're doing something dangerous and you don't trust the one leading you. You know, like kids, like I, I would take Luke and the girls as a kid, I'd throw them up in the air and catch them and they'd love it and laugh and everything. But then they get a reality check. Mm-hmm. And like it's been safe the whole time because they yielded. Mm-hmm. But when they stop yielding and all of a sudden they let fear grip them and they try to hold on to my arms, well, then that causes different motions of physics to happen and they can get out of control. You're totally in control if you'll yield. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you, there's total control mm-hmm. if you'll yield. Yeah. <laughs> but if you try to fear hold on, mm-hmm. you actually lose control. And now it makes it a really dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Not because it was really dangerous, but because your fear changed the variables. Yeah. Your fear changes those dynamics. And that's where if you'll just find somebody that knows what they're doing and just yield to them and just go with them. You'll break through those things all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. But well, it, it reminded like you were talking about surrounding yourself with people that'll push you. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of um, I. There was one time a, a group of friends wanted to do uh, a mud run, and um, and they were like, "But we'll walk the whole thing." I'm like, "Cool," because I haven't done any physical activity for the last like ten years, so I'm not prepared to do anything like that. I also thought it was like a five k. Turned out it was like. Four times longer than that, <laughs> and on a ski slope, and you and you were going up the ski slope. Oh my god! Anyway, we show up and they're like, "Let's run the whole thing," and I'm like, "I'm not prepared to do this," but like the peer pressure set in, so I'm like, "Okay," you know, and and so uh, and so like I was running with them, and mind you, there's all the obstacles, the climbing yeah. the ropes and the 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 balancing stuff, and like like uh, rolling through tires and running through the mud, so, like all this different these different things. And uh, since I was in a group and they were all running, I I ran, you know, with them. Yeah. And um and like maybe like a tenth of the way into it, I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Like, like, and I look a, fit. A tenth of yeah, the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I look like I'm in decent shape, but that's because God's blessed me with a good metabolism. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't have that. Like, I think you like. So, was it you who said to like Stephen Hurlburt, like you're the most athletic looking <laughs> non athletic uh, non athletic person. person? Yeah, um, like, but like I'm I'm running like with him, and like there were people that looked that looked less athletic than me that were doing better. Like in like, and I'm I'm just trying to keep up with him yeah. and like do the obstacles and, and all this stuff, like. Literally, but like we I, scaling a ski slope, which those things are steep. Yeah, you know, and um, and I remember though, like pretty much nonstop the whole time. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. But the peer pressure was still there. I was like, I don't want to be like the yeah. the guy holding everyone back. So I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And uh, like I, I will say, like since there was zero preparation that I did for this, like my knees were messed up for like a month afterwards. But I did it. Like I ran the whole thing, and uh, and I, I did all of that. And and by the end of it, like it, I I felt I felt it. Like again, like my knees were like messed up for like a month, but um, but I did it. You know, I was able yeah, to do it because. Through. And the only re- the only reason I, I did it. Is because I surrounded myself with people who were like, "We're going, 
we're doing that's it anyway. That's a great example. Yeah, that's a like, great example. We're doing it anyway. And and what you'll find is like a lot of times people will not go work out uh, because they're like, well, when I work out, I really feel like I'm hurting myself and hurting my knees or something like that. Yeah. But what you're actually doing is you you just have muscles mm -hmm. that you've not strengthened, and if yeah. you keep going. That'll stop hurting. Yeah. Like what's hurting is because you're not conditioned for it and mm -hmm. it'll heal and get going. And that, that goes back to, that goes back to like even my voice right now. Y'all know if you've been paying attention, my voice has been like strained over the past month. But here's why. There's a reason why it is. And I'm actually doing it. You know, uh, is I learned in boot camp because when you gave the example earlier, uh, we hit a place where we had no voice, like everything I could yell at my loudest and it would come out <sighs> like that. It was like that was it. Yeah. And but then we kept <sighs> for like two weeks at our loudest. All of a sudden, volume started coming back and what we had stretched and looked like we had damaged came back stronger. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when it came back, there was, you know, when you hear like, give me your war cry type thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. You can get to the place where your voice comes back stronger than yeah. ever before. Yeah. And uh, amen. That's, that's so good. Pastor Zach said, who's around you? Those who are in your camp affect you. Yeah. And so anyway, um, I, the Lord actually spoke to me about a month ago. And he said, I want, he said I want your voice stronger. And he said, what happened in boot camp, you'll do it again. He said, you just keep preaching. Don't worry about it, and it'll, it'll come back stronger than ever before. But I'm, all, I'm speaking more than most people speak. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking you know, five to six times a week easy, yeah. uh, and, and I'm not always quiet. And uh, so it, that can put a strain on a voice. Plus, it's been, you know, had some pollen and stuff and different stuff that that's been in the air. So that's aggravated as well. Yeah. But see, like even right now, I can still tell that my voice is strained, but there's a power in it that I didn't have a month ago. So I pushed through and what looked like I was breaking mm -hmm. actually was getting stronger. Mm -hmm. And if now you don't just do that without the word of the Lord, if you have the word of the Lord, that's one thing. But you need to have the word of the Lord. But once you have the word of the Lord, you just keep going. Yeah. And I knew I had that. And so I just, I wasn't really holding back. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not that way anyway, but I wasn't holding back. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew from experience mm -hmm. that this is what would happen. It just took a few weeks for everybody else to see it. Yeah. And that's where we have to trust the Lord and we have to move forward in mm -hmm. him and not be set back because it looks like we're challenged mm -hmm. or it looks like it might not work, right? Yeah. We have to keep moving forward yeah. in that way. So. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, and because, like, that, like, praise God, like, I, w I was able to endure that, you know, but, like, yeah. like I should, I should, like, because it, it's easier on this side of it, looking back, being like, oh, I was able to do that. I didn't think I could, you know, yes. how, how many other spiritual situations do, do we face where it's, where in the middle of it, it's Great like, point. I don't think I can do this, but like you get through it, you know, it, it works yeah. out. But like, but I also could have quit in the middle of that, yeah. you know, yeah. and like, and that's what, what we're talking about today is like in the middle of those moments when it's like, this is, doesn't feel like the honeymoon. This doesn't feel fun. What would have happened to you if you would have quit? How would that have affected you? Like in that race? 
uh, I probably, well, I, my friends probably would have been home, <laughs> like, and I, they would have, or it would have held them back if I would have quit too. But, um, but like, I don't know. I probably, what would have happened in your thought processes? I would have felt like a failure. For how long? Uh, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would have had to have supernatural and, healing yeah. to get that out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't have. And I would have kind of solidified even more the I can't mentality. Correct. And I would have just proven it, you know, self-proved. Self, yeah. Yeah. Like Self-fulfilled prophecy, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it would have made it harder for future attempts. But just mm-hmm. in the way that it works negative there, when you actually press through and have a victory, mm-hmm. it works in the positive mm-hmm. on the other side. Yeah. Well, this is why when I'm talking to people, amen, Hannah said this is so helpful. This is why when I'm talking to people, the number one thing that you got to realize is, is for 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be unto God who always. always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. You got to know that you're going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know that you're going to make it, that you're going to win this. If God's told you to go and he's given you a promise, you got to know it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And you got to trust him in the middle of it. Stop thinking it's not going to work. Put mm-hmm. that in the comments. Stop thinking it's not going to work. See, when you think it's not going to work, the issue is you're looking at you. You're not looking at God because God's faithful. Because mm-hmm. if, it's, if, if, if it's on God's shoulders, it's going to work. Yeah. Because he's faithful. Yeah. And so when you think it's not going to work, who are you looking at? Me. Put that in the comments. Put the question in. When you think it's not going to work, who are you looking at? Yeah. We're looking at ourselves because God is faithful. God, God's going to make it happen. It's going to work. He's always leading you to triumph and yeah. manifesting the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That's who God is. God is faithful. Yeah. So when we feel like, I don't know if this is going to work, that means we've taken our eyes off of God. We've looked at the wind and the waves, and we're not going to do the supernatural. You're called to do the supernatural. You are called to do the supernatural. You're not called to sink. And and listen, you got to understand, Peter was an example of somebody who sunk, but God didn't let him drown. Get out on the water, step out into it, keep your eyes on him, and you're going to make it. You're going to come through in Jesus' name. Follow his word. In his word is every provision, and you will be the victor. You will be the overcomer that God's called you to be, that child of God. And so no matter what it looks like, no matter if it looks like the honeymoon has ended, stick Put, put, encourage yourself in the Lord. Put your flesh down. Set your eyes back on Jesus. You know that you were called there. Stop thinking there's another option. Stop leaving options to the devil in your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Stick. Do what you need to do. Do the works that your thoughts might be established. Know that you're going to be triumphant. Mm-hmm. Encourage yourself in the Lord. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. Encourage yourself in the Lord and go forward and watch how the Lord will help you and make you the victor and come through. Amen. 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 Does that help you guys? This is one of those. This is one of those that's like, oh man, I, I know I'm going to be telling people to watch this video. <laughs> There's going to be people that come into church. They're going to hit some of these. 
end of the honeymoon phases. I mean, you need to watch this video. And then they're going to say, well, that was, you were talking directly to me. Yeah, but that was 20 years ago when I did that. <laughs> like, because it's the same scheme. Yeah. Yeah. He's been running against the church yeah. for years, and people have been falling for it. But you're not going to fall for it. Because you know the truth, the truth sets you free, you're encouraged in the Lord, and you're going to be that overcomer in Jesus' name. Father, right now, no matter what phase anybody's going through, Lord, let them take strength in you. Just say it with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus I take strength I, in you. I take strength in you. I take strength now. I take strength now. I have now. it. I have I'm it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make I'm it. I'm going through. I'm going through. I take my fleshly thoughts captive. I take my fleshly thoughts captive. And I win. And I win. In Christ. In Christ. And by your anointing. And by your anointing. That breaks this yoke. That breaks this I yoke. have healing in my body I now. Have healing in my body now. I have strength in my body now. I have strength in my body I now. have finances. I have finances. Abundance. Abundance. Prosperity to do every good work. Prosperity to do every good work. I have the strength to make it through. I have the strength to make it through. I have the mental strength. I have the mental strength. I won't stay in the doldrums. I won't stay in the doldrums. I won't stay in the pit. I won't stay in but the pit. But in the name of Jesus. But in the name of Jesus. I'm climbing out. I'm climbing out. And I'll never go back in. And I'll never go back in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you so very much. We love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our partners. Uh, to anybody who is our partner, if you'd like to, you can go to giveww.org. Help us get this word out to the world. Yeah. And uh, if you'd like to sow today, you're welcome to. You don't have to. We sow this broadcast into you. But if the Lord's leading you to sow and you or you want to be a part of it, then you can do that there. Anybody who is, Father, right now, anybody who's a partner in any form or fashion, Lord, let them be blessed. Let everything that they sow be pressed down. Thank you, Lord. Good measure. Yeah. Pressed down, shaken together, running over in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Supernatural harvest, supernaturally quick be in the name of Jesus. We thank you for supernatural victories in people's lives now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that are for people that are going through yeah. those honeymoon phases and it just keeps getting stronger. Yeah. It just keeps getting stronger in <laughs> Jesus' name.